0: This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Policing Matters on police1.com. I'm Jim Dudley. Hey, welcome back. And if you're not watching us on YouTube, check us out and you can see what our guests look like and some of their backgrounds and graphics. All right, well, some incidents resulting in officer-involved shootings and other types of force are inevitable outcomes of policing. They are mostly unpredictable, sometimes spontaneous, but other times they are predictable. And as Gordon Graham coined, predictable is preventable. Axon, formerly known as TASER, has released the Axon Public Safety Gun Fatality Database. Published in collaboration with the Institute for Intergovernmental Research, the IIR, a private nonprofit research organization, the report is the result of thoroughly researched, collected, and analyzed information related to all shooting deaths from 2021 through June 2023 in all US jurisdictions involving officers and civilians. Today, we will talk about how this effort came to be as part of Axon's Moonshot goal, the database, how it was researched, and what the initial findings tell us to keep law enforcement officers safe, improve training, and in helping them make good decisions. Well, welcome to Policing Matters. Mike Wagers, Senior Vice President, Strategic Initiatives at Axon. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure, Jim. Thanks for having us. Um, been in this field uh, for over 20 years now. Uh, public, private, uh, I was. Uh, I got my PhD uh, from the Rutgers School of Criminal Justice uh, in Criminology. Um, I've worked at the IECP, uh, been the Chief Operating Officer in the Seattle Police Department. Uh, I stood up the justice and public safety program at uh, Amazon Web Services, and I've been at Axon now for coming up on seven years.
0: Nice. Welcome. And Ty Nguyen, senior data scientist, also part of Axon. How'd you get involved, Ty?
2: Hi, uh, Jim. Thank you for having us. Um, so I graduated from Stanford in uh, 2019 and uh, with a degree in management science and engineering. Uh, and have been with Axon ever since. I started off uh, more internally in sales operation, but quickly, I mean, uh, the data was awesome, and I, I love specializing in data. Um, and with the yeah, the launch of the moonshot goal, uh, yeah, just been trying to help out and uh, do doing a lot of the research and the analysis, especially earlier on uh, for this project. So excited to share some of that.
0: Yeah, excited to talk about it. Great to have data and have somebody like you sort it out and tell us what it means. Well, it seems obvious that we should be doing this type of research, and we've seen studies by the Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in the form of that line of duty death report, some other reports that talk about incidents and precursor activities. How is this different, and how did it become part of the Moonshot goal? What is the Moonshot goal?
1: Yeah, Sure. Uh, well, the Moonshot goal is um, a pretty audacious goal that we've set with our partners uh, to uh, reduce gun deaths between police and the public uh, by 50% within 10 years. And there's two parts to that. Uh, that, that means fatal officer mob shootings. Uh, so when an officer has to take someone's life in the line of duty. And it also uh, is a part of that is also when officers are killed in the line of duty. Um and, you know, the the origins of it was coming out of uh, coming out of uh, COVID, coming out of after the death of George Floyd. Um, you know, thinking what can we do as a company to really make a difference, and 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 you you know, and lots of progress made across the country over the past couple of decades, and then you had COVID and George Floyd and just sort of threw all that up in the air, and, and we were watching, you know, just the, the strife and the conflict. And noticing that, despite the best work a police department could do, engaging with their community, uh, reducing fatal officer-involved shootings, reducing crime, even though you know things obviously weren't trending in the right direction in 2020, 2021, and going into 2022, you would still notice, like, despite their best efforts, if there was a fatal officer-involved shooting, whether justified or not, and we know that almost all are justified, uh, that that would set uh, that relationship between a police department and their community back several steps, right? You would have to have those conversations. Like, why did that officer have to take that life? Uh, so we thought, what if we could step in and set an audacious goal for the company, get some partners around this. So if we could, if we could reduce that number, that that flashpoint uh when an officer has to take a life or conversely when an officer is killed in the line of duty if we can reduce that substantially can we then make real progress in the field and sort of propelling it forward uh to to sort of have better outcomes all around
0: yeah of course number one uh reason why you did it well how did you come by the data we've we've had some problems with the fbi ucr being collected by our eighteen thousand law enforcement agencies nibers the nibers transition was really spotty. Uh, course, twenty twenty, the pandemic uh, really had a lot to do with the data collection. Where'd you get it, and who helped in interpreting it?
1: Sure, yeah, um, uh, you're right. Like, uh, sort of all current existing data collection efforts really didn't provide you with the the timely information you needed uh, to to make some sense of this, uh, and didn't provide enough detail um, in terms of. You know, as you said earlier, uh, like if you can predict it, you can prevent it. Well, we need to know a whole lot more if we're going to try. We knew that uh, as many do, you know, others out there know it. uh, chiefs, sheriffs, colonels, researchers, uh, like like we need a lot more data. uh, If we're if we're able to say some things that we can get to where we can prevent uh, some of these tragic uh, deaths on both sides. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, we began by looking at. Sort of the open source data that's out there now, the Washington Post. Uh, and what did, what can we what can we learn from their current data collection efforts? And then as we were doing that, like how can we take it several steps forward? So, I mean, that's actually looking at their data first is how we got to the number that we got to. So, yeah, we wanted to have uh just like the original moonshot goal that JFK set. Like we're going to the moon in 10 years like that was like hard to think about back then i mean for us today you're like oh yeah that makes sense we did it we made it cool like now we're gonna go to mars right but like thinking about this like what can we like we don't want to make incremental progress we don't want to just uh reduce gun deaths between police and the public by five percent or ten percent that's great every life saved certainly uh is meaningful and that matters but how can we do something that really galvanizes what we do as a company across the entire company and what our partners can do as well? So we, we we looked at the data. And so we obviously wanted to have that be a big number. So 50% was stuck in our mind that, that look, if we could do that, let's just say fatal officer-involved of shootings, if it's running somewhere around above a 1,000 to 1,100, if we can cut that down to 500,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that'd be a big start. Uh, but then we started digging into to their data that they have which again is just open source media reports uh what we started to find was important sort of nuggets in there and one being that um in about 40 percent of the cases when an officer had to take a life and it's a fatal officer involved of shooting the suspect had an edge weapon so it had a knife a machete some sort of sharp, sharp object <clears throat> so like sort of light bulb goes off right away like those seem to be cases if there's time and distance involved then maybe we can make a difference uh for example in the things that we do like and again we're not saying we can do all of this but as a technology company we make tasers like could we make a better taser could we give officers in the field a better device that if they had time and distance could they could they can we take off a substantial chunk of that forty percent number, where the officers maybe can use a less lethal device when the suspect has an edge weapon? Now, that's not saying like any prior officer involved shooting where there's an edge weapon uh, was unjustified or should not have happened. Like that, that is that is the fault of us and other technology companies. We haven't given officers the right technologies to feel comfortable in doing that. So that was was sort of the start. Like there is an existing database out there. It is run by a media company, uh, but there's some good stuff in there. And then that got us going to start doing our own analysis, digging further down, using open source data, looking at body camera footage, encoding some of the the other data that we have.
0: Mm -hmm. So then you went to Stanford and you recruited a... A data scientist in Thai, Thai, when you looked at the data, you know, we often look at quantitative data. We look at numbers and graphs, but really until you just like um uh, just like we just heard, the qualitative data from digging deeper, looking at all the available evidence and uh, interviewing people and finding out, you know, each each shooting really is its own individual standalone incident, isn't it?
2: Uh yeah, so there's ultimately two parts of this. I'll I'll give a bit of background about how I I kind of got involved uh, in the first place. Uh, so this was part of my time in uh, kind of like product ops. So Axon has this great kind of rotational program that lets you explore and be part of a different department. I came about it on a data perspective, um, but when I was on the Taser uh, pillar, there uh, Pat Madden, who's the uh, SVP or the general manager of that Taser was reaching out during that T10 point uh T10 uh, product development and we were expanding a lot of resources there right he wanted to see that you know there was sort of this bigger goal uh to it right like it was i mean they were always going to do it but it was more like hey um what can you tell us about the world about where where this is where this uh, weapons going to be positioned ultimately right so coming in uh we were looking at different sources and the washington post is, is is one of a few, but they're the one that um, really has a lot of you know, back to twenty fifteen uh, information, and they've been pretty uh, consistent at collecting that information. Uh, we use that as basically a guideline. It was me and and another uh, uh, intern uh, or person that was there, and what we would do is, you know, you would go and uh, cross collaborate. You would look at each one of these lines, and you're right; each one is its own unique uh, ins- uh unique incident, right? Um, and there are special scenarios or special cases that that uh, comes with each one um, and then from each one of these incidents we're able to look in and figure out you know based on media reporting based on publicly available data Right about like what are the specific circumstances? Now, of course, when you go to um, you know a large metropolitan with a, a more developed uh, news media source, you're going to get more information, like potentially how many officers were going to be involved. Uh, you're going to get like stuff like, oh, what was the situations that were happening? Versus if you go to maybe a more rural area, they they might just record more generalized information like this happened. On the date, but sometimes you don't even get the date, right? It could be a range of dates. It's like the incident date is one day, but the the the, the civilian um, that was part of it uh, might might have died on on another day, the the following day or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so there's a lot of nuances with it. And what we realized that um, in order to collect what we we cared about, which was like for that first round, like durations and whether a T10 would what might might have made a might have made a difference, right? Um, it's hard to say, right? Because we also don't have the counterfactual to all this, right? Like we don't know the cases where um, a taser or maybe less lethal was deployed late, earlier on and successfully prevented um, the the outcome of uh, a fatal officer involved shooting. But even just looking at those incidents, we realized that you know there are a lot of uh, there there were key things that we need to look out for, uh, which helped uh, us. Um, look for them was looking at body-worn camera footage, right, and mm-hmm. being able to see whether an officer, for instance, had a taser um, uh, equipped on with them or whether there were officer presence or what type of distance was between the officer and the, and the subject, right, um, at the time of the fatal-involved shooting, for instance. So there's a lot of different factors. And then from those, we code them into a database, right, and then we started noticing trends. And we were raising... Um, my team were, was raising those those you know indicators up that, that, hey, a lot of these events are happening at 40 feet or less, right? A lot of them have police officer backup. And there is some time um, that is involved, right? Some of them are, are extremely short, like split second, right? Um, but timing was was also a big factor to what we were looking on earlier on. And then later, later on, as, as Mike Wager said, right, then kind of like the moonshots started kind of coalescing together and then you get, um, you know, then we realized that we needed, a, you know, a third party or, or an objective third party who was kind of the judge of these events as well, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to code in a lot of this information. But a lot of what I'm interested in is like the intermediary variables that are sometimes extremely hard to collect, right? And you have to go and just dive through different sources. Like there's that, you know, the daily local source that you have for that, that, Portion. There's information that agencies will release. There's information that we know publicly available about uh, the agencies that are available or about the the scenarios that you have to dive in. And, and you're right, um, and interviews is also a big part of that. So, so yeah, a lot of my role earlier on uh, in this project was diving and trying to figure out, you know, like getting that data, right? And it's a lot like you hear data science and you're like, oh, you're just doing cool machine learning or like you're trying to figure out like what is the right... Um, you know, the, the, like the, the factors that like controlling for the confounding factors versus the factors that we care about or stuff like that. But earlier on and and where we are, um, I think it's exciting because we just look into collecting as much information as we can and, and, and also like open for feedback, right. Open Mm -hmm. to, to get information because we ultimately, right. We want to reduce uh, deaths and officer-involved shootings. And there's a lot of ways to do this. And there's a lot of people, uh, uh. Here, right, that, that is willing to support us on that. Uh, yeah. So,
0: yeah, we, we always talk about uh, time, distance, and shielding, and we talk about de escalation, but I could think about so many variables. And you talked to uh, Mike, already talked about the edge weapons as being a primary uh, reason for the the um, exchange. And, mm-hmm. but I could think of, you know, what type of calls was, what type of service call was made. What's the officer thinking? Uh, what's the approach? What's the known weapon? What's not known? Uh, what What are the distances? You know, before the shootings, I've talked to scientists Eric uh, Pisa in New York uh, from John Jay. Uh, we talked about um, looking at uh, body worn uh, camera footage to see if there were any precursor. Uh, Facial expressions or body movements that that might indicate that what
1: the next move was going to be. Have you done anything like that? Yeah, the um, I mean, I think we'll get the database we released at ICP uh, with the Institute for Intergovernmental Research. Um, what we have is sort of tier one variables, mm-hmm. so sort of reconstructing what's out there now and what's in current uh, media reports, which is uh, you know should be a, a number of caveats there. Uh, like I would say, this is just a start. Uh, And this sort of paints a very broad picture. Uh, And, you know, if if you look at uh, the data currently, like there's a lot of missing variables, like a ton, like to the extent that sometimes you look at it, it's almost hard to draw some conclusions because there's so many missing variables, like even around race, which you would think would be easy to come by. Uh, But, and and certainly if, if, if we had more data, That may even change the narrative around race um but like that's just sort of one piece of that uh tier two as you bring as you bring up there's a lot more to do there's a lot more to go in depth whether that's looking at uh, body camera video which we've done a lot of uh and whether that's working with police departments and also collecting more in-depth data i think this that's another part of it so we'll continue to do that work with our partners at uh, the institute for intergovernmental research and say what we, what we also hope and, and by the way I, I got my PhD with Eric uh, he is a he is a great guy. He's a yes. super smart researcher uh he he adds a lot to the field he, he is right um like the, there are other things that we can learn from body camera video obviously we have a stake in that um, um as a company that you know sell manufactures and sells uh body cameras um but I would say like we would also hope that Sort of through this moonshot effort and through sort of our database, this also spurs lots of other innovation out there. Like this spurs lots of other research out there. Like we don't have to be involved. Like, and that's sort of the point of the larger moonshot coalition that we put together. Now we think at Axon we have a role to play. Now, obviously, um, you know, through looking at the data and through what we do in terms of our less lethal devices, such as Taser 10, which is our newest. Device, there's a direct result of of this moonshot goal and thinking about the data behind it. Uh, we certainly think our that we we have a lot to offer in terms of training uh, with our virtual reality training, um, uh, which is tied to our taser training as well. I mean, we I don't know 17,000 officers go through our taser training per year. Um, if we could also put them through VR training, uh, that could add to helping uh, us achieve this goal, like that's fabulous. That's, that's incredible. And for example, like even looking at the data and I like not just the database we have, but uh, you know, the others uh, we, and we certainly see it daily. Uh, we we know there's a mental health crisis going on across this country. And if you, if you read reports on fatal officer shootings, or you look at the data, or you talk to departments, you talk to officers, obviously what's happening on the street right now, uh, coming out of COVID is just like, I don't know if it's been seen before now, obviously police are the ones that are called to deal with situations where there's lots of breakdowns throughout society and other institutions but that's the world we live in if we provide police better training perhaps uh through virtual reality so that they can deal with folks in crisis in a different way that also probably helps get us to that moonshot goal but there but but we would hope that there there are partners out there as well and we you know we kicked out this coalition uh last year so this is actually First year, when I've been into year two, whether it's the National Fraternal Order of Police, they're one of our anchoring institutions, whether it's um, uh, the African-American Mayors Association, another one of our anchoring institutions on this moonshot goal, uh, to all the various associations from the major county sheriffs of America uh, to uh, Cal Chiefs. like All of these partners are, are involved in this coalition now. Like they have a lot to offer that doesn't have to be us. And it could be researchers like Eric Pisa, who maybe joins with departments and looks at that question, or it could be Cal Chiefs. Like it could be they could look at something with uh, one of these questions and produce data, produce training, produce other things that will ultimately help us save lives.
0: Yeah, Lexapol empowers first awesome. responders and public servants to best in, uh, meet the needs you know, the of government their residents people. safely and responsibly, uh, in San Francisco, my old serving Department, more than 2 million public safety we were never authorized professionals in uh, over 8,000 agencies at all. And, and municipalities. It wasn't about Lexipol the data and it wasn't about the range science of the research, but it policies, was about training, and behavioral the health resources, uh, idea that and analysis would be and and services at the same time... Fire and we rescue, have EMS, uh, people, local government, civilian other organizations, and government agencies saying we want to, to escalate, but they don't want to give you the tools to do it. So, how do policies affect outcomes? What are you doing to convince, demystify the process to people that are just seeing it as a weapon as opposed to a less lethal or even non-lethal weapon that could save lives? Both police and the offender or a civilian sus- suspect
1: yeah for sure and look san francisco is um one of the finer final major cities out there uh, that does not use taser devices and and you know our contention all along is like you know the goal is to save lives and and we need to give officers the technologies that they can use to de-escalate a situation and save lives so if, if they don't have the appropriate less lethal technologies, then you're really not you're limiting their options. Uh, and uh you know in terms of being abused, you know, using it as some sort of device that can abuse citizens. I mean that that's 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 how we got into the body camera business. Like that's how that's how Axon or Taser at the time that's how we started the body camera business. We knew that through officers using tasers, like these concerns and questions were coming up well, let's put a camera on first the taser and then obviously the officer so we can show that officers are not misusing or abusing a taser device and that they they are saving lives. And that has without a doubt been the case across the board over the many, many years that we've had body cameras in the field. I mean, try to take a body camera away from an officer today and see what happens because we know it shows that the officer is doing the right thing in the, in 99% of the time, like it's not showing abusive officers, it's not showing officers who are doing bad things. Now it does when it, when, you know, things like that do happen, unfortunately do happen, say like in a Memphis, it does surface those things and then actions can be taken. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, 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 like we've shown, like, like, and we produce devices that are safe and we've shown through sort of recording those incidents that officers are using them in the right way. Uh, and I'd I, I say I'd take it a step further but as we think through the moonshot goal, like in our, our latest device, which is Taser 10, uh, Ty referred to as T10 earlier in the conversation, like it was constructed and thought about sort of with data in mind, as we talked about, can we get give, the, give that officer more chances to save a life? That's why now you have 10 shots. Why? Well, you're going to miss the first two. I mean, situations are chaotic. Uh, you could miss with the first two. You know, situations are chaotic. Uh, so now we we're able to fit ten probes in one device. So it's almost treated like your semi-automatic handgun. Uh, but that, is, but uh, in terms of like community engagement and engagement with elected officials, when those questions come up, and they have, and we answer them, our departments answer themselves. Like, no, that that is to save lives. Like that that is that is. That is to give that officer all the opportunities that they possibly can need to get a connection and save that life, and then we are able to talk about the distances involved as well. Uh, so, so I don't, we haven't seen the resistance uh, across the board that we thought we would when we introduced the new taser weapon, because I think that in communities across the country, like like they recognize like like something has to change, and perhaps this is part of that change.
0: Yeah, I I I love the T10. I I actually got to try it and uh, fired it at Ilita in St. Louis over the summer, and the accuracy is amazing. I'm no you know crack shot, and I could hit the target at 30 feet or more. So the effectiveness and the range is outstanding, and you can make that uh, use happen before the suspect or the offender gets the chance to close the distance on you yeah. and then you and you have to resort to other weapons. I want to ask you about force options and availability and training but first I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L E X I P O L dot com, and we're back. And I'm speaking with Mike Wagers and Ty Nguyen from Axon. We're talking about uh, the database, the Moonshot, and the Taser Ten, and the database that's going to help save lives of police officers and civilian offenders as well. Uh, Mike, did the type of force options or availability come into play? when you looked at the data in these incidents?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly I was thinking about the force continuum uh, and thinking about where the latest, our latest device, which by the way, we, uh, you know, uh, to draw on the analogy of this being a moonshot goal and to sort of harken back to the original moonshot goal, President Kennedy making that announcement at Rice University, like we call our Taser 10 device, our our, uh, Apollo, you know, um, our Saturn V rocket. Uh, we think that's sort of like that first stage to get us there to the moon, um, and and what we and so we certainly thought about that sort of force continuum and where we were along along that force continuum and how close we could get to that to the lethal part of the force continuum, and we can come back to that in a second. But I, I'd say you know one thing: what, what what we're seeing and what we had hoped is, uh, again, this is a partnership across the board, not just a partnership with all these associations uh, with researchers. Uh, but a partnership with with our customers, with agencies out there doing the work, with officers and deputies and troopers that are out there in the field that have to deploy our technology or deploy other technologies um, to try to, to try to save life. And we're we're getting back now body camera footage after body camera footage after body camera footage, and officers who have deployed Taser 10 with stories that we've never would have thought would have been the case before. And, and that gets back to sort of thinking about how they would deploy force along that continuum. And, and for example, last one I looked at, uh, is a large uh, major county sheriff's department. Uh, the officers got called uh, to a scene, uh, the 911 call, uh, multiple 911 calls. Uh, there was a guy who was obviously in mental health crisis. He was going door to door, being aggressive and, and threatening violence. Uh, the reports from the caller said that he had a knife in his hand. The deputies roll up on the scene, you could hear this in the body camera video. They they give out some commands. He's not listening, not complying. They they have time and distance. They back up, and the the deputies say, "Hey, let's try this new Taser 10." And so they they're like, "Okay." And so one guy pulls out the ta- has his Taser 10. They got the cover officer, uh, and they deploy the Taser 10, uh, three probes. They make the connection with probe number two and probe number three. Take the suspect down. They go get him under, uh, get him in custody. Turns out he didn't have a knife. He had like a piece of cardboard with some duct tape on it. But the deputy says in that body camera video, like, could you imagine if we were within six, nine, 12 feet and he had made a move toward us and we might not had had another option. We would have had to, uh, go, we might've had to escalate to a lethal option. Like they just saved a life there. And so we're seeing like, case after case of those examples. And I think that's going to help us understand and maybe also help redefine the force continuum uh, under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, good, uh, good example. And certainly those situations of uh, blue suicide where the individuals trying to prompt the officer into, into fatal action. Um, how important is training? So did the report identify issues with training with or without an electronic device, uh, about the availability, the quality, the thoroughness, uh, what'd you find, Ty?
2: Yeah, so I'm excited to say that'll be part of the tier two release uh, that we're having uh, be part of it. So tier one uh, from the database includes stuff like incident date, right? One of the things that you talked about was like, what type of, was it a call for service? What was the activity prompt? um, That was the event type initially, for instance, there's Basic details on like officer and, and uh, subject um, information there for tier two. That's when things get more in depth, and we start looking more at hey, what are the agency's training policy, or or what are the individual officers trained on, uh, for instance. So those are things that we're we're uh, actively collecting right now, uh, and uh, this is the, one of those databases that's uh, refreshed once, uh, actually twice per year. Um, so we should be getting uh, good information uh, in soon. We just want to make, and the reason why we're doing it twice is uh, per year instead of more of a uh, uh, live cadence is um, at least earlier on is is because we want to cross our t's and dot our i's, right? Um, but some of the training features like that, that the at least the uh, features or the variables that we're looking into uh, we're actively coding uh, with I or IR is coding as as we speak,
1: yeah. yeah. I'd say, Jim, one thing we we've actually have started. We've introduced new training uh, without waiting for the data. We have our own data over the years, obviously from taser deployments. But, you know, one thing we do know, like an officer, like they will go to the range and fire their handgun many times throughout the year and lots of rounds. Uh, unfortunately, we know taser cartridges are expensive. Uh, so uh, and so you may fire your taser once per year at that. And you may fire a couple cartridges. Uh, so one thing that we've made a big push into, especially uh, with our new Taser 10 device and with related to this Moonshot goal is uh, new VR training that will that doesn't cost money to fire cartridges. You can put officers through VR training and let them fire hundreds of times to become more accurate at getting probes downrange and under different scenarios. And one thing that we've done uh, that has really taken off is it, it started as sort of I'm Say a lark, but it wasn't like part of like the roadmap and thinking about this. And we created something called a Taser versus Zombies game, uh, where you know younger officers like to play games. Uh, and uh, but what we found is like that became, that is becoming a really effective mechanism to train officers on how to use Taser devices without having to go to an academy, without having to go to to, to training to take them out of the field and have to deploy a lot of cartridges. And and we've we've seen and we've done experiments now looking at the data where officers who have never picked up a Taser 10 device, the latest device, versus officers who have, if they go through Taser versus zombies. And, and by the way, we did that quite, um, we did that on purpose. So we weren't, you couldn't say officers were firing at humans. Like they weren't just tas they weren't just shooting hundreds of Taser rounds at uh, humans. They were zombies. No one can fault us for like shooting at zombies. Um, we found that those who went through the Taser versus Zombies training first, which is three to five minute game, they are 2.2 seconds quicker to get probes downrange uh, to neutralize a suspect. I like guess important findings for us internal and data for us internally to continue to refine the training that we push back out uh, to officers uh, who will be using Taser devices in the field.
0: Wow, I didn't realize a Taser would work on a zombie. It's
1: good yeah. to know. <laughs> Uh, it also works on, uh, we didn't know either, but these taser dogs, I mean, these zombie dogs to match as well. Those are the hardest to hit. So,
0: <laughs> so what's the feedback been? Um, Are the agencies talking about the database? Have you released it?
1: We released it to ICP. Um, <clears throat> our partner uh, uh, organizations and associations, for example, the National Policing Institute, another one of our partners, they were involved in the release, uh, the, uh, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. They were another partner organization involved in the uh, release. Uh, and I'd say uh, uh, all sort of qualitative, you know, you know, data coming back, sort of anecdotal. What we heard at IECP and what we've heard coming out of IACP is great. Like as you, we started the podcast. Like if we could, if we could, if we we have the data, if we can predict it, we can prevent it. And I think that what, what the feedback we're hearing is like we just can't depend on the current databases out there today to do that. And, it, and again, they don't go in depth as one would need. So it's, so the feedback so far has been extremely positive, saying way to go, keep it up. And I think what our partners and and agencies across the country, you know, one reason we took on this is that, you know, we like we're in this for the long haul. Like, certainly we hope we can hit that. Moonshot goal uh, well within 10 years. That's a lot of lives that we believe there's a lot of lives that we can save, or are, are obviously given the right technology and training, et cetera, to agencies out there, we can hit it within 10 years. Um, but like, like the they know that you know we will be around. And now we sort of serve serve as this neutral convener, if you will, around this moonshot goal that we'll be able to keep this database going over the duration of this project and even further.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ty, you you talked about the second tier of research. What do you expect to find? What, what new uh, source of information are you gonna do, like uh, public records requests for the incident reports uh, to get more dimension? What's the next step?
2: Yeah, so that's down to um, our partners at IIR uh, to understand. So from my perspective, right, the best way is to get as raw of uh, information as we can. Um, but ultimately, it's down to IIR and, and uh, their research methodology there. And of course, we'll be collaborating uh, on some of this, um, but a lot of the, the push now is with IIR. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. And the data, it's part of the Moonshot goal. You want to turn around and give it out to law enforcement agencies, make better recommendations on closing distances, improving training, Trying out different devices, uh, looking for sort of precursor movements, things like that. What are the next steps uh, overall from Axon?
1: Yeah, sure. We, we enter. We'll be entering year two in 2024. Uh, we'll continue to build the partnership or the coalition, sort of the coalition of the willing. Uh, and uh, we do hope now with this new database, even with tier one data, and then as we get into tier two data, and then you know, there's lot again. There's lots of good stuff happening across the country. Agencies collecting great data, doing great analysis through other researchers. Uh, we hate, we hope to continue to surface that data, so that you know we'll continue to push as a company with our technology and with our training. But we hope with this coalition, like this, spurs innovation. Like this, this spurs innovation, whether it's around other less lethal technology. Like we 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 want that to happen. Like we we don't. It's not. It's not all about. Axon and Tasers. Now we think that we play a large role in that. And as you said, like, you know, or as I said earlier, like we see Taser 10 as our our Saturn V rocket to get us there. But look, if there are other companies out there that have great ideas that can save a life or if there are other if there are associations out there uh, or others who have great training, new training, innovative training like are 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 there are groups out there that come forward and think new policies need to be sort of implemented. It's not the role that we'll play. We'll play and continue to uh, convene this moonshot coalition, if you will. But we hope there's lots of innovation. We hope there's a lot of new thinking around this idea uh, that will continue to push it forward. And I think that's what you'll see in year two. And I think you'll start seeing some of our partners come out with some really cool and innovative ways that they think, uh, based on data, hopefully from this database or elsewhere, uh, that can that can reduce uh, gun deaths between the police and public.
0: Absolutely. and and. I want to tell our listeners that you can find the link to the Institute for Intergovernmental Research and the report uh, on the website. Uh, Mike Wager, Senior Vice President, Strategic Initiatives at Axon. Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Jim.
0: And Ty Nguyen, Senior Data Scientist, uh, looking at the IAR, making some Uh, conclusions and recommendations, and and you're gonna jump on that uh, second tier of information and and give another dimension to the next report, is that right?
2: Sure, Yep. happy and looking forward to it. Thanks, Jim, for having us.
0: You bet. All right, hey, to our listeners, check out the link below. Let me know what you think. And uh, be sure and drop us a line. And if you have questions about the report or how to reach uh, Mike or Ty, Drop me an email at policingmatters@policeone.com. At onecom That's policingmatters@policeone.com. onecom Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Hope to chat again with you real soon. Take good care.